Hey friends, guess what? I've got a new book coming out from Llewellyn Worldwide on March 8th called Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life. This book is based on something I call genealogical regressions because sometimes when I'm working with clients, I go into their past lives and I realize this is not the source event of the challenge. We need to send light and love to ancestors in order to make our lives the wonderful places that we want to be. So I hope you'll check out my new book and stay tuned for class announcements, book signings, and more as March gets closer. Heal Your Ancestors to Heal Your Life coming March 8th from Llewellyn Worldwide. The Healing Arts Program is not intended as a substitute for consultation with a licensed medical or mental health professional. The listener should regularly consult a physician or mental health professional in matters relating to his or her health, and particularly with respect to any symptoms that may require diagnosis or medical attention. This program provides content related to educational, medical, and psychological topics. As such, listening to the program implies your acceptance of this disclaimer. Welcome to Healing Arts. I'm your host, Dr. Shelley Kerr. Hey, dear one, how are you doing today? I hope you're doing well. There's a lot going on in our world right now, and I think it's more important than ever that we get back together as a collective society. And so I want to start the show off, I think, by just doing a little meditation for peace. So settle in and let's start that, and then we'll get into what we're going to actually be doing today. Let's take a moment now and just close our eyes. Take a deep healing breath in through your nose and exhale. And allow a beautiful beam of light to come down through the top of your head. It's moving down, 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 through the body, through the legs and feet. Allow the light to pour out of your heart center creating a lovely golden ball of light that surrounds you by about three feet in all directions. Just imagine that you can be wrapped up by this loving light and that within the light, only that which is of highest good can come through. Take a moment while you're bathing in the golden light to scan the body and go ahead now and just breathe in to any areas of tension. Just breathing in and exhaling. Tensions. And let go of tension and know that all is well. Very good. And when you're ready, just open your eyes and come back into the room. We'll be right back. Hey, my friend, have you known your pet in a past life? Well, believe it or not, a lot of people have. You can check out case histories and find out more about your connections to your little fuzzballs in my book, 
past lives with pets. Check it out and find out today. So on today's show, I have the honor of interviewing Dr. Neil Lundgren. He is a true scholar. He's amazing. Um, He was a Benedictine monk, and he's got a beautiful meditation book. And I'm telling you, my dears, you need this book. It is amazing. It's got super high frequencies. And I cannot think of a better discussion that we all need to hear at this moment in our lives. So settle in and let's check it out. And as per usual, remember, if you want to see me talking to Dr. Lundgren, go over and check out my YouTube channel. Just type in Past Life Lady into YouTube and you can see us. So let's get started on the interview. Hi, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Healing Arts. So I am so excited today because one of my very, very favorite book authors is with us, Dr. Neil Lundgren. He's got a beautiful book, Meditations for the Soul. This book is absolutely transformational and I cannot recommend it enough. Let me read you Dr. Lundgren's background. Neil Lundgren, PhD, is a therapist, a former Benedictine monk, amazing, a poet and a musician. He received his doctoral degree from Emory University in psychology or psychological, philosophical and religious thought. And he's taught at St. John's University, Emory University and Pacifica Graduate Institute. Neil lives in Atlanta, Georgia. And you can visit him online at Neil, N-E-A-L-E, Lundgren, L-U-N-D-G-R-E-N.com. Dr. Lundgren, I love your book. Thank you for joining us on Healing Arts. How are you doing today? I am doing great. And uh, thank you so much. I'm so glad you are gaining from my book, that you're getting something for your soul. So that makes me very happy. I am. I think it's just beautifully written and I love the stories you tell. And I was wondering if we could start, I don't want to spoil all the surprises in the book for the readers. You tell an amazing story about a journey that you took across to Europe many years ago that totally changed your life. And I really love that story. And I was wondering if you could share it with us. I would be happy to, I'll give you a, a short version uh, of it. First, it, it, the context, uh, I was a professional musician uh, and I was traveling with uh, my band uh, called Manchild and we had finished our first album and we were about to begin the second one. But during the travels, the tour that we were doing through the US, I began reading novels of Tolstoy, Dostoevsky and Hermann Hesse and uh, I, I just felt like I was living these two lives. One, this, this desire for an inner life and yet this, you know, playing in, in this band. And it, it, was, it was a beautiful experience too. And I wrote songs and, and we, we were really brothers and we broke bread, uh, uh, the, broke the bread of music and uh, drank the wine of music. Uh, so it was a beautiful uh, time, but I felt called, I just felt called to seek mm-hmm. and to seek for my soul. Uh, and at that time, I had met a friend who was just getting out of business school and he felt kind of you know empty in his life. And both of us said, why don't we just go on a journey? We had little money, we lived on $5 a day, but we had enough money for a plane ticket from Canada, from Montreal to Paris and then from Paris back to Montreal. And so what we ended up doing is we hitchhiked uh, most of the way to Montreal uh, and then took the flight to Paris. And we were going south through Spain to, to and we, we were going to go to North Africa and we ended up actually doing that. But it was so cold the first night we, we were south of Orléans and we walked into this church and we uh, were freezing cold because it was February. 
and we didn't quite plan that part. So we had a tent, we had a sleeping bag and the sleeping bag was maybe 40 degrees max. And we just were, we were, we were too cold. So we asked the priest, we said, uh, is, can we stay here in the pews and in the church tonight? And then we'll move along our way. And uh, the priest said, no, that's impossible. In fact, I'm, I'm getting ready to lock the church. He says, but there's a monastery that is down the road about 20 kilometers. Of course, he's speaking French the whole time. And my uh, companion, Bill, is bilingual French. So they're, they're doing most of the talking. And he says, there's a, there's a monastery called Saint-Benoît-Soulois. Uh, and you can hitchhike there and they'll probably give you a night's uh, rest. And that's what we did. So we walked, uh, we, we did, made this hike and we knocked at the gate and this monk answered, uh, uh, he just all smiles and he was in silence, but the guest, the guest master, who he was, uh, they are able to talk to obviously oh. taking guests. So he took us to, the, to our cells. We had separate cells, monastic uh, cells. And then we were uh, brought to the dining hall and we were, we were fed. And then we also prayed and sang with the monks in this incredible crypt at the, at the, at the bottom of this church, um, where actually I found out later the remains of St. Benedict, the founder of that order, his remains were there, but I did not know it at the time. But I've written a novel since, and it's, it's in this novel called The Ruby Cup. But uh, anyway, continuing on with the story. We stayed with the monks two or three days. They, uh, we, we prayed with them, we sang, they gave us food. And when we left, they gave us fruit and bread uh, that we could put in our, our knapsacks and uh, to move along our way. And uh, I, never, I will never forget his name. It was Brother Philip uh, who said goodbye to us. And we, again, we continued our journey. And that journey went through uh, uh, North Africa, up through the Atlas Mountains, through Algeria, Tunisia, uh, and then up through Europe, um, uh, and eventually back to Paris. Uh, and then we uh, came uh, home, uh, flight home to Montreal, and then hitchhiked uh, six days and six nights and, and got home. Uh, arduous journey, many, many uh, treacherous things actually, uh, events occurred, but those I won't get into today. But I will say that when I when when we returned home, uh, and then we we were at the school at the Loyola at the Jesuit University there. Uh, uh, Bill, my friend, uh, my companion on that journey, he ended up going into the novitiate, uh, the oh. Jesuit novitiate. There was a kind priest who uh, knew of this abbey in the north woods of Minnesota, and he kindly took me to the side and said. Do you know, uh, Neil, I don't think you're meant for the Jesuits. I'm going to write a letter to the abbot, and I would like you to go to St. John's University in uh, Collegeville, Minnesota. And I want you to speak to him, and perhaps you can gain entry there. I think you're more Benedictine than you are a Jesuit. Wow. And so, uh, uh, because he said he, he thought I had more uh, tendency to the contemplative life at that time in my life. That I wanted to meditate and all these things. He said, "We bear. We never meditate." He says, "We we're about you know intellectual endeavors. You know, leaving colleges and uh, colleges and universities." And he said, uh, "You, I think you're going to belong more in that monastery. And you're a musician, so that'll work too." So that's what happened. And I uh, then entered uh, this uh, monastery after checking uh, in on it, and they looked. Uh, uh, at me and we had interviews and I was at the seminary for a couple of years there alongside the monastery and eventually uh, was so captivated by this seeking, seeking. And this is the whole point behind uh, trips is this, Shelley, isn't it? It's yes. this, we didn't go as tourists. We, we went, we went to, we, we were looking, we were, we didn't know what we were searching for. But I know that we were searching for meaning. We were searching for purpose. We were searching for our destiny. And we had to get off of that gauntlet that, uh, that most, I would think that most people uh, get on. You know, parents want you to do this or that and you follow through uh, school or you get a job or whatever you do. You get married and have kids. And 
uh, not to say those aren't wonderful things, but um, I was on a journey to find purpose, to find meaning. I was on a journey to search for God. You yes. know, I don't mention I don't mention God once in the uh, in this book, Meditations for the Soul, and it was intentional because I think we've lost the sacredness of that term. It is um, sometimes overused without the meaning behind it. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and it's sometimes overconnected to institution, overconnected to uh, uh, organized religions, which are wonderful, and uh, they they provide a great service in their best uh, um, character. But I, I it was it was I did this intentionally because I wanted to speak about this conversation with God as love. Right. With God as the soul within us and beyond us. I wanted to share experiences of this reality that I learned so deeply in the monastery. And then after even I left and entered uh, university um, that th this, this ineffable Numinal, powerful reality that is love within us and and without us is there's not a term that can define it. So it, it was it was a, a difficult experience in the book, and I hope that that came through. Is I wanted to to share it, but to share it in in active verbs and to share it in terms of experience, not not some intellectual concept dogma i thought it was amazing um you know you talk a lot about the seeker and when i write a book i always dedicate it to seekers because like you i believe we are all seekers so talk about how you see us as seekers and heroes if you will in the stories of our own life you know oh that's so true every everyone is a seeker and everyone is a hero and i don't just say that to, to as a as a nice phrase it is not easy to be in the world we come into this world as souls in a world of darkness and light and it doesn't matter who we are what station economically or uh where we find ourselves uh, on the planet whether it's Africa or South America or Europe or the United States, it does not matter. We come into this world with a series of trials that we are given and we go through this trial of fire. We're all Bilbo Baggins. We're all in the, the Lord of the Rings story. And we're okay. on this journey, this hero's journey of darkness and light to learn the lessons of the soul, to learn how to love in the crucible of brokenheartedness, to, to, to learn how to be attracted to light when all is dark, to learn how to be illuminated by the, by the earth and by the sacredness of the earth that tells a thousand stories, a million stories and tells us who we really are. And so in my book, I, I have these metaphors that speak of the seeker. So first, the, as seekers, as souls, we come in as dwellers. Uh, we we you know, take the scripts of life and uh, we, we listen to our parents, which we should, but we, we take all our beliefs, our opinions, prejudices, all of that, that's the dweller world, the world that we don't question. We just take it. Right. Uh, it's sort of canned reality. It's conventional reality, but it's not real. It's what I call the material mind's reality. The material mind's reality is the reality of the dweller. And we, 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 have, we have our insoldness and we have it as children, but it's brief. And uh, as a child, we're full of bliss from the head, from our head to our toe. 
and we, earth and heaven are close in to one another. But what happens if we get wounded and then earth and heaven begin to separate and to divide and the distance becomes so, so vast. And then we begin to identify more with the material mind and we become dwellers. But then we, we, something happens, we begin to question. Generally it happens around adolescence. We begin to say, no, I don't think it's this way at all. Or I think this is, maybe this isn't true. We start questioning. And I wanna to say to the uh, viewers here, uh, anyone who is listening is question, question, question. Question with anger, question without anger, question with fear, without fear, question, question. And then you will move from the dweller to the questioner seeker, from the dweller seeker to the questioner seeker. The dweller's a seeker because they seek for pleasure and they want to avoid pain. And right. I say they because I don't, I don't, uh, uh, it's not interesting to me to be, to, to be a dweller in terms of just seeking for what's going to satisfy and gratify me and to avoid pain because that's not really what, why we're here. I don't believe. So the questioner begins to say, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's something else. And the questioner generally starts with, no, it's not this, it's not that. No, I'm not going to do this. Uh, so the questioner uh, has a downside in that the questioner can be ridden with negativity. Right. And that's the danger of the questioner to stay just there as the rebel. Um, but then something might happen and we begin, we want to go on a wandering journey. We want to become a wanderer. We want, now we're positive and we want to try out. Uh, we want to learn about different cultures, different languages, different people and the way they live. And we want to just drink of that elixir of life wherever we can find it. Yes. And I think the seeker at this point uh, becomes what I call the wanderer. And that we began with my story, with my friend. Uh, that's when I truly, although I was a seeker as a musician, I probably have been a wanderer most of my life, you know, before I became an aspirant, but. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> I know that you do. I know that you do. And so the wanderer is a, as it's a it's a wonderful place to be we don't have to go beyond that if we don't want to because but we're full of positivity at least and we begin to bring that positivity because negativity drains and positivity fuels negativity drains the soul it stresses the mind maharishi mahesh yogi uh, a great uh, yeah. yogi who taught transcendental meditation it's most uh, uh, probably the listeners know here. I uh, he did that as well. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, he, he, he spoke of, he said, these sanskaras, a Hindu term, a Sanskrit term, which means impressions that we carry in our body, our mind uh, through lifetime after lifetime. He says, we, it produces stress and we continue to, to bring more and more stress upon us as we cling to this and we avoid that. Uh, and so, unfortunately, these sanskaras, these, these stressors block the light from the soul. They block the light and uh, they drain us. And if we can just begin to open to the senses of the soul, and my book speaks a lot about that, uh, and we'll talk a lot about it today, but the senses of the soul, once they're activated, and I offer exercises in the book which activate the senses of the soul, the, the, the sense of touch, the sense of hearing, the sense of smell, the sense of sight, the sense of taste. These senses of the soul, once they're channeled into the senses, the five physical senses, will just, oh, the what will happen to the body and the mind, we truly then become more identified with the soul and less identified with the material mind. But we have to practice and that's when we become disenchanted a little bit with the wanderer because that's like a little, 
a bee or a bird going <laughs> to the honey, going from flower to flower, right? And we have to, to, to eventually, we want to get seated. We, we want to then begin to really go vertical. Vertical with depth, both from earth to the heart, to heaven, to go vertical. And I think that's what happened during my monastic years is I really went deep into the verticality of the energy and spirituality of earth and heaven. I spent, I think, more time in nature than I did the church. There were like 2,300 acres of bird sanctuary, Shelley and Fox, uh, fox uh, foxes and beaver and uh, just in deer. And I lived there even as much as I could in the winter, although in the winter it would be 100 degrees below zero sometimes in January. Wow. Um, but for me, the monastery sanctuary was actually more there than the church after a number of years went by. And I began this love relationship, this romance with the divine and felt the illumination. And there is this experience that I share in the book where I felt this the, the light within everyone and all things was truly present. All we had to do is allow ourselves to unblock, to allow ourselves to let the soul carry us in our journey. And then we would become more and more uh, sensitive to this illumination that is all around us. It is all around us. So that's the path of the aspirant to learn meditation. And then as a monk, Shelley also learned meditation in action because the Benedictines were all about ora et labora, Latin for work and pray. So we, we had to work with our hands. You had to work outside in the farm. You had to work outside in the forest. You had to uh, you had to work with your hands and then you also studied with your mind and then you prayed and meditated and, and sang and breathed the energy of the divine within you and this meditation in action uh, over a number of years I began to uh, internalize more and more but but when I left the monastery, uh, I did uh, I did find that very quickly. I just you know was pulled into the world and the noise of the world and all of those responsibilities and duties that the world calls us. And I mean, it's difficult. Yeah. To live in the world and to also. Uh, grow the soul isn't it yeah I mean I you're probably familiar with Vipassana have you heard yes. of that oh, yeah. I did transcendental meditation but then I spent 10 days that's a fraction of what you did but those 10 days in silence oh. Oh. the retreat oh my gosh it was the best thing I ever did oh I bet it was and this and insight right. You don't want to come back. Everyone, <laughs> like my cell phone, my cell phone. And I was like, no, I don't want that. Yes. And it yeah. is hard to come back. It is. And you know, it is. You, you know the, the world, as you know, is very challenged right now with all of the things going on with the pandemic, with the, yes. yeah. the division that we have. And there's so many great exercises, friends, in this book for you that, Dr. Lundgren just walks you through the most beautiful journeys of just very peacefully and slowly breathing and opening to this. So talk to us about, which I know this can help us, my friends, but talk to us about that and your thoughts about how we can come together as one family during this time by working first on ourselves and our divinity. Uh, I mean, you really, this is a perfect segue from the aspirant, the vertical uh, seeker to the seeker that now wants to now go into the world and knows that they must go into the world. 
and they must uh, cultivate their soul, but within a worldly context. So it's not the path of the yogi. Right. It is more the path of the salik, which is the path of the householder. It could be anything, whether you're a plumber, carpenter, uh, student, uh, householder of any sort, it doesn't matter. But this process of meditation in action, I had to look to the monastery when I entered the world again and moved into studies and became a therapist. And uh, I thought that uh, that seekers, that patients that became clients, that became students uh, could gain from uh, meditation and mindfulness and could gain from this uh, Vipassana or insight, any kind of insight meditation where we say to ourselves in silence, we listen. Silence is listening. That's what silence is. It's not the absence of noise, it's listening. Meditation is listening. It's listening in and from that place of silence. And then we have this insight. We have this uh, insights, a hundred insights, a thousand every day because we practice the presence, we begin to uh, view and hear and see and taste the world from the perspective of the soul mind. And so these exercises in the book, beginning with the soul's sense of touch, and maybe we can talk about that. Definitely. At least that first exercise, that's where I begin with the soul's sense of touch that by activating the soul's sense of touch, we, we land here. We're now embodied souls. We're in a body. The soul is in a body. <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing, as well as a painful thing sometimes, yeah. you know, right? But, yeah. uh, but uh, so we're in a body and we are with other ensouled bodies, embodied souls. And we have purpose and that purpose is to learn the language and lessons of love. And the soul sense of touch is where we begin because we have to begin with self-love. Right. And that's a hard one because I have clients over the years that say, what do you mean we have to be, I mean, if someone doesn't love me, how can I love myself? And this is true. We do need the touch of love from a mentor I think we do from teachers, whether it's a parent or a teacher or a mentor, we need the touch of love. And, and what is the touch of love? I don't necessarily mean with our hands, although um, body workers do magnificent work in this world of healing. Uh, and in my office, we have body worker chiropractors and therapists uh, that do magnificent, magnificent spiritual work. But the touch that I'm speaking of is the touch of kindness, the touch of kindness. So in that first meditation, it is about just first breathing and doing this diaphragmic breathing of using the nose as a ventilator system, breathing in the nose, cool air out the nose, warm air but then allowing that breath to descend. And so as I inhale, that diaphragm descends so that the stomach expands slightly. And then I, as I exhale, the diaphragm ascends in place and it's that rhythm, that second lung. And I bring my awareness to the breath. And there are a number, of, a number of apps and workshops and that people know how to do this. Uh, but I think we always begin, always begin. That is ground zero. Ground zero is breathing, breathing healthfully with the parasympathetic nervous system begins to create endorphin and dopamine. And we're not in that stress place of higher breathing into the chest, from the chest. And that's the sympathetic nervous system where we produce stress hormones of cortisol and adrenaline. 
But if we just learn to breathe and follow the breath with our awareness. But the touch of the soul happens when we added a very important ingredient. And that's the ingredient of warmth, of the spirit, of kindness. Oxygen is the material mind's way of breathing. The soul breathes with spirit. Beginning with adding the ingredient in the breath of kindness. How do we access kindness? Think of a time when you have been kind to another that was in need of kindness and you touched them, they were touched by your kindness. Kindness touches when it's true. Touched by compassion, but that's higher. That's a deeper level of kindness, but just kindness. Or think of a time when you were touched. So I will go one way or the other, depending upon where I am, yes. you know, in the morning. Sometimes I have to reach out for the kindness that was given to me. Uh, and I light, that's ignition key. We light the pilot light of the soul gets lit with that soul sense of touch. And then we're on, we're alive. We're alive from the place of soul. And other times I can light that by being in touch with the time when I could extend kindness to another that was in need of it. So the wayfarer, that is this, this is the last but journey that happens lifetime after lifetime is we move from the aspirant to the wayfarer. So let's revisit the seeker, dweller, questioner, wanderer, aspirant, wayfarer. We are here and we're with one another and we're all souls and we have to cultivate through the meditative life. But the key is to cultivate a meditative mind, a soul mind, to cultivate that soul mind, which resides in the heart, within the heart. The heart within the heart is where the soul loves to reside. Because it's in the center of our being, in the center between heaven and earth. And it, it's that place where we also breathe out from our chest to others and we take in to our heart that energy from others and we're taking it into our soul and there's so many practices so in part two of the book i talk about seven yogas in a very practical way it's introductory but i I've, i felt i wanted and llewellyn the publisher so brilliantly helped with this yeah. he said neil neil we we want you to give us exercises on these paths that we can relate to. And so uh, that, that many can relate to, that, that you don't have to be a yogi on a mountaintop or to, to be in a monastery. For, for We want something. And so these, these exercises, five minutes, 10 minutes, I'm on the receiving end now and I use them every day myself, most days. And uh, I, I gain from them because I really felt they were given, they were given to me. And I have to thank, I have to thank Llewellyn for this. I really want to do this here in this, uh, in this podcast uh, with you, in this video with you, because uh, I, it was a sense of obedience of being obedient to the heart right. and saying, who, who is this for? Who is this book for? Because I could be academic and I could uh, talk about, I could quote from, from uh, uh, you know, languages, other languages and do all of this. And all that would be ego driven. It would be interesting though, I have to say. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, I hear you. I, I, I would give, love to I hear that give too, you, I have to say. I could give you that book. I could <laughs> give you that book. But instead of, of that book, of that book. But this, yes, this, I hear you. <laughs> this book is one, is, is, is a book that's written from here and uh, yeah, it is. how can I assist someone that may not only have 10 minutes in a day in their day that they only want to give to cultivate their soul well I hope my book will be able to help uh, help this process and then maybe you will become interested and motivated and then really want to deepen your life and 
to move more into deeper studies. Uh, I've been studying uh, this path, uh, I would say, most of my life, and I'm only a beginner. Yeah. Because we begin every moment, we begin every day. Zen mind, beginner's mind. Yes, absolutely. Uh, right, right. Yeah. You know, I want to say about this beautiful book, um, before we started this show, I was telling you, I have a dear friend uh, who passed away, Father Paul Keenan, who became a oh. Jesuit. And his books were very beautifully written. And when I read your book, Dr. Lundgren, I mean, it just really touched my heart. I there's It's beautiful writing. And the thing I love about the exercises is that they are so beautifully written, just simple, a few sentences. You're telling us the, strat the strategy, the technique. We can just do this. We can kind of go on the journey of opening to these different levels of seeking as we go through the book. And it is written in a way that is not going to be intimidating. I think people think, oh, meditation, that just sounds like something I can't do. Or, you know, I know another one of the things that you do is you talk about people who maybe think they can't meditate. And these are designed for those people who feel like, well, I've never been able to do this before because you've done it so simply and beautifully that we can all find it accessible without too much, um, you know, strife or whatever we shouldn't be having strife during meditation but i think we we Absolutely. set ourselves up for that before we even begin and i think you've opened the door here so that people won't feel like that anymore wonderful and let me say to to the uh listener that if you have thoughts and you're ridden by thoughts that take you out of your center take you out of meditation welcome to the meditative life for for goodness sake, don't say, I can't med meditate because I can't stop my thoughts. It's not about stopping thoughts. Right. It's about letting them be and not clinging to them, letting them go and returning to the breath. Meditation is about learning how to live from the perspective of the soul that doesn't get all bogged down in thinking. And so when you get pulled into your thoughts, forgive yourself. No problem. Just return to the center. I use the, to return to the breathing. I use the metaphor of music. I'm constantly, I'm a musician and I constantly am tuning my guitar, even in the middle of a song. It's always getting out of tune. So it's hygiene. It is the way that we continually return and center and attune to the awareness with the breath and with kindness. And of course they deepen so these meditations deepen as you uh, speak of, as we move through the book, um, there are deepening exercises that can be for the intermediate seeker and perhaps even the advanced. But the problem is we all have to recognize no matter how, how far we think we've come, we are always getting pulled out of our center, always getting pulled out. This drama of the world, it is powerful. Yes, it and, is. Uh, and to, to counteract it, and not as a shield necessarily, it's just a way of, of living lightly with the world. Living, the soul lives lightly with the world. And, and that's its power, is its translucency. It, it, it's, it, its power is the transparency where this, when the soul is in the body and it's allowed domicile and rest, and liveliness in the body, a lot of fun can be had. A lot of adventure can be had and a lot of love can be made and created in so many different ways, so many creative ways. And everyone, I say everyone, every one of you, uh, you are meant to become one with your soul because that is your ultimate purpose and the unfoldment of that soul is about being in this world no matter what conditions we're living in, no matter what situations arise. And this comes to this notion of being in the world today. Yes, we are in the Kali Yuga. We are in uh, uh, an age that where meditation is even going to be more difficult, not less difficult. And this is why we must cultivate every day and counteract the pull away from the soul into the material world and its chaos and its dramas. And 
we then can be we can be vehicles of light and we can be unifiers not dividers and this is what i do want to say is that i hope i do hope when the seeker um, takes my book and they go on this journey with their soul that this is about unifying what is divided this is about becoming more elastic and flexible in all the yogas, becoming flexible with the mind, with the heart, becoming elastic, and also becoming muscular, becoming strong in mind, in heart, in body, as much as we can given our karma, given our uh, uh, fate. You know, fate and destiny uh, is an interesting is an interesting dance, isn't it? Yes. You know, fate is what is going to happen to me regardless, uh, given my limits. Destiny is the opportunity and the encounters in every meeting that I have that says, hmm, what do you want to do? How, how are these two souls learn? The destiny occurs around every corner and it occurs more often consciously when we're coming from the place of our soul. We'll pick up on it. We'll hear it, we'll see it, we'll taste it, sniff it, smell it. We will uh, taste it. We will just, we'll know that it's here and the destiny is here for us. And that's something I'm needing to learn from this human being, from this creature, from this uh, uh, brook, from this tree, from this river, from the ocean. There's something I need to learn. And the learning is, is really taking in and infusing the energy, the learning is not so much here. The learning is from this place of intelligence that has to do with the soul's uh, IQ. And so we, as a, the more we uh, uh, access this wondrous world, the more we will all become bearers of light yes. and unifiers. Absolutely. Wow, Dr. Lundgren, this is amazing. I mean, I feel like I'm just getting so much out of this conversation and I know my viewers are going to as well. Your students are very lucky people. We could well, listen I, to this all day. I love it. Well, thank I you. hope that you out there will pick up this book, Meditations for the Soul. Try it, go on the journey. It's so simple and beautiful and it's just unfolding. So Dr. Lundgren, tell us how we can get a hold of you and I'm gonna have the links to your website and your book as well. Okay, the best way to get a hold of me is through the website and uh, it is neillundgren.com and that's spelled N-E-A-L-E, -E, with an E at the end of Neil, L-U-N-D-G-R-E-N.com. And that'll bring you to the website. And the first page will be uh, the book uh, and where you can get it. And then there is music also. I have a number of CDs that I've recorded uh, music. I'm a songwriter through the years. And uh, there are gifts there that you can just listen to. And if you want to go to iTunes, you can get the full CD, but I give gifts of each album for you to hear. There are podcasts on the senses of the soul that are there. Uh, and there are articles and etc. And some, uh, interactive uh, treats there for you. But uh, please uh, go to that first page and I hope that you, uh, that you get my book and that you uh, allow it to give you what it wants to give you for your journey. Awesome, I love your website. Yes, everybody go check out that first page. It's amazing. And you've got another follow-up book that you're working on right now to this one, correct? Correct. Yes. In fact, I've, I've already written it. So now what I'm doing is uh, going through the editing process. Uh, and that book is part two, which deepens this journey. Part two of Meditations for the Soul, the inner map. Where does that inner map go? Uh, where does the soul journey? Uh, even though it is in the world, there's a deep, deep, deep uh, layers and stages of consciousness. Uh, and where does that soul uh, um go it's a it's a magnificent uh, um, introduction as well a uh, second introduction to the inner the inner map the inner journey wow i can't wait i can't wait 
Dr. Lundgren, amazing, amazing work. Congratulations on all your success. And I wish you many, many blessings in the new year and um, just tremendous success with the book and everything else you're doing. Shelly, thank you so much and blessings to you as well. And thank you so much for inviting me to this conversation. It is my pleasure to have you and we will have you back. Okay, so. great. I'll look forward to it. All right. Many blessings. All right, friends. Right now, there's going to be a link. Here it is. Meditations for the soul. Amazing, beautiful, wonderful. You need this on your nightstand every day. Okay. Until next time, we'll see you for the next episode of Healing Arts. So how did you love the interview with Dr. Lundgren? Isn't that amazing? So from now on, I'm going to be releasing these shows on Sundays. And again, um, <laughs> just know I'm always doing the best I can. But if, if for some reason I don't do that, just know that that was my intention. But right now, because I have several of these already recorded, um, that should be happening. And also what I do is when I videotape them, I set them up in my YouTube channel so you can go, if you're a subscriber, I think you can click on something and it'll let you know when it's premiering on the different dates that I'm going to be releasing them. Coming up next week, we've got another amazing show from another Llewellyn author um, who's got a beautiful book about anxiety and depression and things that I know you will benefit from as well. So I thank you for listening. I thank you for your support of this program. To the friends of mine who have really encouraged me in this, I'm very, very grateful. We have to stick together. We've got to love each other. We've got to stick together. We know that these are tough times, but I'm telling you, we will prevail. And we're going to do it together. So I can't wait to see you again. And until next time, just have a blessed week and please take care of yourself. All right. So have a wonderful day. Namaste. Hey, friends, it's Dr. Shelley. If you are experiencing anxiety, depression or trauma, check out my book, Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories. This is a book filled with amazing case histories of clients who have successfully healed their anxiety and trauma, and it has a lot of guided journeys in it designed to help you get through these challenging times. Click on my website at pastlifelady.com, follow the book links, and check out Meet Your Karma, The Healing Power of Past Life Memories today. <laughs>